0: On this episode of AV Week, communicating with your customers, MSPs in AV, and power and chip issues in the AV supply chain. All that and more. Next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What
2: are you listening to? This.
3: This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 530, recorded Friday, October 15th, 2021. Transparency.
1: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV
2: signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential
1: spaces.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, Heather Sedorowicz, Southtown AV, and proud Buffalo Bills fan. Welcome, ma'am.
3: So proud. So, so proud. Can we just talk about that the whole time instead?
0: Uh, we could, except they beat the Bears, so no. Uh-huh. Um, yeah.
3: If you've been watching lately, they've been beating everyone.
0: They have been beating everybody, uh-huh. yes, indeed. Um, but thrilled
3: to be here so thank you thank you for having me
0: absolutely absolutely also with us uh, Brands making new jobs since the last time we talked to them actually the last time I had Nyree on it was my 500th episode Uh, and (laughs) poor Nairi, I I hadn't had him on in a while and the way I do it I'm like okay you know we we haven't had you on in in, you know six, nine months sometimes a year and I had him scheduled and then God love him Mitchell my fantastic producer like I'm going to surprise Tim and have all these other people (laughs) join so Nyree I'm glad that you're here on an episode that is not um, my 500. So welcome, sir.
1: Thank you, Tim. So glad to be here.
0: Uh, and he is actually with the, with Under Armour now, so uh, congratulations to that. Yep, thank you. Also okay. with us, somebody else who has a, a new job that we haven't talked to, I don't think officially since then, uh, Tom LeBlanc uh, from NSCA. Welcome, sir.
4: Hey, thanks. Uh, good to be here. Absolutely.
0: And last but not least, she doesn't have a new job, but she's still fantastic. Corey Schaefer from QSC. Welcome, ma'am.
2: Uh, good to be here and great crew today.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, first story this week comes to from everybody. Just uh, the 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 article we're using is from The Verge. Uh, but more supply chain issues. Um, this is according to The Verge. Apple can't get enough chips for the iPhone 13. Um, they're reducing their plan to make 90 million down to 80 million phones. It's about a 10 percent, 11 percent reduction. However, the part that makes this interesting for the AV side is the chips they get are from Broadcom and Texas Instrument. If you didn't know this, a lot of chips that go into AV um, gear comes from Broadcom and Texas Instrument. So not only is it impacting AV, it's also impacting, you know, the world's most valuable company. Um, In addition to that, news coming out of China this week is that the country is facing a country-wide power shortage. The causes include China trying to cut back on um, coal usage ahead of uh, 2030, I'm sorry, 2060 um, uh, carbon-neutral footprint and demand for that power now that factories are coming back online. To deal with this, China is implementing times of blackouts throughout the country, including the main manufacturing hubs that will idle much-needed factories. That's right. Not only are we having supply chain issues, now China can't make the stuff that we need them to make to get the stuff. You know, um... Mitchell, I want you to put. Uh, I want to point uh, a recent interview I actually did uh, with QSC's Anna uh, Jantus and Frank West about the impact of chip shortages on AV. Um, Nyree, we are going to start with you on this. What does this do to folks like you that are on the front line to the the AV users that are in companies or in, in higher education? What does it do to forecast and what does it, do, does it do to kind of planned upgrades as you're looking ahead to 2022?
1: Um, We have to get our crystal ball out and predict the future a little bit better than we probably have in the past. I mean, um, I think I can speak for every um, technology manager around the country, if not around the world, is that we're always fighting for money and budgets and and, uh, the things that the resources that we need to do our jobs and make our organization successful. And this is just going to make it harder. Um, I do know that um when you talk about budget cycles uh that tends to be the biggest challenge that we have because um especially around the higher ed and your government folks, they are locked into certain budget cycles, they have to spend money by a certain date or or else they lose it um in a corporate environment. Some environments operate like that, some don't um and so what it's going to breed are some um different conversations around how we manage that budget cycle, how we account for these projects and things that we have purchased uh, so that we can reasonably um, plan for implementing these solutions, buying these technologies, doing these technology refreshes and so forth and so on. But long story short, it's going to make everybody's life harder um, and we'll just have to deal with it and there's nothing we can do about it.
0: So, so Heather, everybody wants a client like Nairi. Um, because he gets it right. However, not everybody has clients like Nairi. So, how do you communicate this? How do you how do you translate this to clients, whether it's resi clients or or commercial clients that are looking ahead and going, okay, our folks are coming back to the office eventually, right? There are some folks who have kind of staggered that and, and readjusted those re- those return plans. But how do you communicate this to clients when sometimes you know clients can be persnickety? And say, well, if you can't get it to me, I'll just go down the street to your competitor. How do you say we're all in the same boat?
3: Uh, three things: transparency, transparency, and transparency. And what I mean is, is that it's the very first conversation I'm having now. So, if I meet with the client tomorrow—not Saturday, Monday—I um, would, I would say up front, if you book today, we're looking into 2022 or further. So it's it's about being honest and transparent with the clients and most understand because most have bought a couch in the last six months and know that they're not getting that till 2022. People actually have been a little bit more understanding, not everybody, but most have because they get it. We also have been um, working on phasing projects. Um, So what we've been doing is maybe we can do part of it now and part of it later. So we might be able to source enough to. Do part of the project, and then we'll let you know when the rest comes in. Um, so it's it's about creativity. Um, my new business plan is outwit, outlast, and outplay.
0: That's a never mind. That's a Survivor.
3: <laughs> yes, it it
0: took is. me a second.
3: You like, I've have that somewhere before?
0: Yeah, and it's been a while since I've watched Survivor too. I'll be completely honest. No,
3: like I haven't that. watched it in maybe ten years. But the concept is. My, my point is, you know, everyone that came out with their five-year plans, they were wrong. Um, so we have to be really agile, we're facing new problems than ever before, and we're also busier than we've ever been before. Um, And for the client that does say, oh, great, I'm going to go down the street and get it for the other guy. Good luck. Because even if that guy says, we can do it, we all know that they can't, and therefore they'll be back. We've seen multiple clients say, go one direction, and then a few years later, they come back.
2: Yeah, Heather, it's about what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, right? And it's yeah. just important to be as transparent as possible. And another element, Tim, that I'm wondering um, how people are feeling about this, but it's the the cost to bring in the equipment. So when you can get it, the costs have skyrocketed for us, right? So I watch and you know I I, I see all this chatter on all these different boards where. You know, um, end users might be frustrated about lead times, but they're also frustrated about additional costs and kind of saying, "Hey, when freight costs go down, I bet they're never going to lower their price." You know, etc. But what is not seen is the um, the costs that have to be absorbed. So I was talking to a manufacturer yesterday. A container that they used to bring in for eighteen hundred dollars, they just got hit with thirty five thousand dollars to bring it in. Well. You, you know, what I mean, so this this is just such a moving target. So um, the the supply chain issues are beyond just the chips, right? It's just, yeah.
0: There, and I, I want I want people to understand what you just said, Corey, because I've had the same conversations with several manufacturers. And what she's talking about is the the shipping containers that you're that you're seeing. New York Times has a great article uh, today, uh, and actually, their, I, their their daily podcast, um, it's called The Daily. Um, covers it. We're recording this on Friday the 15th. Covers, um, the, 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 the chip issues. Um, the, this, those containers on those container ships used to be $1,500 to $2,500 to, to get to, to, to get one of those empty containers. Now they're thirty to thirty five, sometimes $40,000. I'm not good at math, right? Understand that. But that's a big increase, like really big like stupid big right and Corey's right a lot of times some folks can absorb those a lot of folks can't though so if you can get the container ship and that's a whole other problem to have if you can get the get the container then you're paying you know x amount times more um so there's there are a lot of issues and yes you know we're all getting hit but i I think heather's right they're seeing what your clients are seeing this in other areas tom you guys just had nsca just had uh Pivot to profit, which we'll talk about that in a second. But you had a lot of integrators together, you had a lot of manufacturers together. What were you hearing when it comes to kind of both sides of those and and, and how they're handling, you know, can you know relaying this to to the clients?
4: Yeah, I mean I think for the most part, um, the integrators and the manufacturers were you know kind of feeling like they're in it together. You know? It kinda like Heather was alluded to, you know, everybody's used to, you know, ordering a couch and realizing that you can't get it when you want to get it. So It's not like anybody's being introduced to this concept, so there is that opportunity to you know kind of join together in a you know a joint challenge, and I think I did see that you know in the networking at Pivot to Profit a couple weeks ago. But I keep thinking about it, like you know, like look at Heather's perspective. You know, an integration company, you know, any integration company out there that's been battling you know through the pandemic and you know, starting to see projects come back and starting to see pipelines get filled. And then it's this thing, you know, it's this supply chain thing that just kind of trips them up from, you know, being able to gather some momentum, you know, in their business. And it's so incredibly frustrating. Um, The supply chain is is probably one or two uh, in terms of being the top issue that integrators, you know, talk to us about at nsca it's it's such a big point of frustration right now um a lot of i mean there's nothing you can do about it you know there really isn't right now um other than to you know handle things as well as you can within um what you can control and so much of it comes down to the quote that you know heather said transparency 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 i think you know just to kind of play off that a little bit i think one of the tricky things is you've got to make sure that within your team, everybody's on board with that transparency. Because I think you sometimes get like a salesperson or somebody like that who just wants to make the client feel good about how the project's going to go. And then they have to, <laughs> it's not It's not a, you know, tell them what they want to hear now and apologize later situation because it's it, there's too much at stake.
3: Yeah, but Tony, if you were running your company like that anyway, I mean, you were already in trouble. I mean, really, that's one of those stories of it's going to come back to bite you. It's... I mean, go to the booth, like it, it's karma. So you should, you should have never been that person that was saying something that wasn't true up front. And now I think that it's just even more important to, to be out there and, and honest with these. And, and I mean, we've, we've said to people, hey, just because beyond just getting it, now even shipping has changed. Shipping's taking longer. Just because something says it will be there on Tuesday doesn't necessarily mean it will be there on Tuesday. So if you're not upfront with your clients, saying like I understand you reserve this conference room and there's 12 doctors that meet in here and they're you know they're just ready to go, but th- you know this is what it says and we'll do our best. And and if you start to to play with that and, and slide things under, I just think we're going to end up in a whole heap of heap of trouble.
0: I want to end this by by asking Nyree a, qu- a question here, and and I'm not expecting Nyree to, to you just for you to speak to all AB users, right? do <laughs> understand, but for you 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 personally. Because um, one of the things that, that Heather alluded to is, is kind of the, these partial completions, right? What does that do for you, if anything, right? Does, does it does it help if Heather calls up and says, you know what, Nairi, we can get you 75% of the way there on that conference room that, that your doctors meet on a, on a regular basis. Does that help? Does that hurt? Does it excite you in any way, shape, or form? Are you like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I love it, but I need all or nothing, right? It, 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 we got we to finish it all or nothing.
3: Well,
1: for me, I just got to keep our accountants happy. That's that's really what it boils down to me. Um, And a lot of times that that's uh, you know, it's all dependent on your respective budget cycles, because I've done it all of those ways in the past, Um, and it just depends on what they're comfortable with, how well of a relationship you have with that vendor or manufacturer to to deliver when they said they were going to deliver, and not stiff you, you know, after you've you you know committed these funds or whatever, because in those situations we're basically we're ha- we have to pay upfront on the promise that you are going to deliver product at some point. You know, you, you you can pick that date, but at some point you need to give us what we paid for. Um, and if you've got a good enough relationship, if it's a, if it's a vendor that you've done business with for a long time, that's really easy. Um, If you are a younger company um, and you you don't kind of have those relationships or you don't have someone on staff that does, that's a big, that's a tough ask, especially when you may be uh, receiving some pressure uh, from your business side, your core business side and, and the products and services that you are delivering and expecting receipts on as well. So. You know, for me, it's it's making sure that our accounts payable and and accounts receivable people, you know, I'm not causing them extra stress because that just makes it harder for me to buy stuff in the future.
0: No, that's true. All right. Uh, Next story actually comes to us from uh, Old Stomping Grounds of Mr. LeBlanc. Uh, Commercial integrator uh, wrote up on NSCA's Pivot to Profit last month. AV integrators and manufacturers debated the future of the digital economy and the place of AV as a service. I can hear Joe Way sharpening his pencil now. Um, they listed items such as the IT industry is already service-based, network security, and the move of AV onto the network. Mr. LeBlanc, we'll start with you. I mentioned the fact that it's your, your old Tommy Grounds. Tom used to be the editor of Commercial Integrator, and now you're the, you're the other side of this article. Um, you've been writing about AV as a service. You've been writing about getting into services for 10 years when you were a commercial integrator, right? Yeah now you work with those dealers what do you think is the biggest hurdle for them to get into the service side or the recurring revenue side
1: well
4: i think the biggest hurdle is commitment to doing so Co- their commitment their commitment to doing so so you you mentioned that i've been writing for 10 years about how you know companies you know trying to make a case for companies to get into service more so in other words to make their revenue model more about recurring revenue service-based sales versus product and project-based sales you're right i'm sick of writing about that you know <laughs> i still write at nsa somewhat um and i'm sick of writing about that um we actually um me and um, you know my friends at uh, at psa um we worked together nsa and psa worked together on a research piece that we just put out and the whole premise of it was, let's stop talking about why it's important to transition to service. Instead, let's analyze a controlled group of integration companies that we're saying have seen some success selling service, and let's try to identify some common you know, trends among those successful MSPs. By the way, if you want to read it, it's called Anatomy of a Successful MSP. You can find it on PSA or NSCA. Um, but, you know, some of the commonalities relate to that commitment, right? It, you know, you start to see, you know, the amount of investment, the amount of time it took for companies to, you know, get up and running and start start to see their hard work turn into, you know, the impact on cash flow and customer stickiness that they get with that recurring revenue model. You start to see, you know, Commonalities in terms of like the relationships they built with third party organizations. Maybe it's a finance company that helped them to, you know, build out uh, a financing uh, approach or, you know, uh, uh, an attorney that helped them to build the contracts that they need to, you know, secure this service side of their business. But really, it is that commitment. It's not about understanding that it will be better for your business, it's about committing to the next couple years of investing training, and transitioning toward that business.
0: All right. Heather, from the integrator side, what can manufacturers do? And Corey, I'm going to get to you in a second. I get kind of ask you the same question. What can manufacturers do to, to make this a, 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 an easier process? Or is it not even on the manufacturers? Is it more just internally with you guys to say, look, you know, we, we need to move to, to service. What what do you think the biggest hurdle is um, to, to getting into a more recurring revenue model?
3: Hmm, it's an interesting question. Um, it, it, I don't know. I feel like every time I, I read EVA as a service, it's, it's the only time. not the only time, it's one of those times it makes me feel old and it makes me feel old because I, you know, I'm kind of set in my ways. I like the way I do it. We figured it out really well. We're one of the fastest growing companies in Western New York, maybe the fastest company right now. Um, so it's hard. It's conceptually really difficult to wrap your brain around a new concept. Um, and I think that maybe we'll have to have a leader um, that will kind of help us there. So I think of it as um, uh, D D-tools. DTools is something you pay monthly for. It costs a small fortune, but without it, you know, we couldn't have grown to where we are today. So it was extremely important and we'll continue to pay that fee as long as we continue to grow and we're successful with it. I think that AV as a service, it could be the same way. I could definitely see a software company coming in and helping to get apparently old dinosaurs like me now through the brain thought to get to the other side of what that could look like.
0: All right, Corey, now this is where I, I ask you because one of the things that Q has QSC and others have done is moving to IT, is moving to, you know, really getting in, into the network. How can you guys, um, or again, is it, a, is it even a manufacturer's issue? getting the, the, the integrators into a recurring revenue, into a service, into an AV as a service model?
2: I, I think it is important that manufacturers work with our customers and an integrator is our customer, right? So we have to partner and tackle this together. And we've had on our vision and we've started to implement it, you know, I mean, as far back as five years ago, like how do we get that reoccurring revenue model? And there's so much involved in that, right? So it's like, how do you put, uh, do the billing for it? How do you set it up in all, globally in all these different regions, you know, et cetera? You know, so um, as much as we can do in software and in software licensing, that is the goal that we have. And we want to bring our partners along in that concept as well. And uh, a lot of this is trial and error as we, as we figure it out, but the you know, the integrators, our partner as is the end user. And we also, you know, sometimes we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes uh, the best ideas are those that we steal. And we're seeing companies like Zoom and Microsoft—they're—they're they're offering hardware as a service as well, right? So you see companies on there like Logitech and Poly, you know, are as part of those programs. So um, there's a lot to be learned. Is so as much as we can do in software is going to help us, you know. But then there's that hardware side, right? Because. You're gonna always need a speaker in the room. You're always gonna need a microphone in the room. And you know, so we have to watch how that transitions as well. And, and there are companies out there doing it. I mean, Yorktel as an integrator is offering hardware as a service. You know, So I mean, there there are companies out there that are figuring it out. And so we can look at um, uh, best practices and work to deploy something on a grander scale.
0: All right. you are you gonna have the, 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 uh, the final word on this one? Uh, When will AV as a service, when will treating AV as IT make sense in your world?
1: Okay, so those are two different things. Let's be clear about that. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) So, so parse either one out then.
1: Yeah, so AV as a service, let's, let's, well, actually, I'll take the AV and IT. Um, This is, you know, a little something that irritates me to this day still, um, because I'll tell everybody I have never worked outside the IT organization and I've always been the collaboration audio visual guy for every company that I've worked for. So I don't understand yep. the distinction between AV and IT. We are just a sub just like the network engineers, systems, systems engineers, your help desk professionals, so forth and so on. So to me, that's, you know, there's no distinction there. Okay. So that one's dead. Let's talk about AV as a service. Okay. Um, I, think AV as a service has a lot of promise. The challenge I find with AV as a service is that I have yet to see a viable business model presented to me that is staffed appropriately, either for by a third party, an AV integrator, or someone that provides, you know, uh, uh, value-added services, either on that side or on the product manufacturer side to really be able to stand behind and life cycle a product at a reasonable cost relative to what I would be paying as, you know, paying upfront as a capital purchase. What I mean by that is the integrators aren't staffed to support it. Let's just be honest about it. And they're not, you know, we have a hard enough time on a lot of jobs, getting good technicians to come in and do installs. And so now you want these people to actually talk to customers too. That is a tall ask on the manufacturer side. Um, I have yet to see any of these manufacturers be able to offer products in a, at a price point, you know, as a, in a service model that makes it makes it make sense for an organization of, of, of a certain size to be able to commit those dollars on an, on the operational side as opposed to the capital side. Meaning in a lot of ways, it's just cheaper for us to go ahead and buy it and lifecycle it three years later, as opposed to getting into some recurring lease. You know, and so that's where the rub is. I, I have yet to see that viable business model, not to say that it, it can't be done, but I haven't seen anybody put together one yet. I've seen pieces of it that fall short in certain areas that are great in certain areas and fall short in certain other areas. But someone to come with that, uh, that that total approach that really makes it uh, a value add to the customer and, and helps them be more efficient in their purchases. Because if somebody could do it, I would sign up for it tomorrow. I just, I just, it hasn't made sense in any organization that I've ever worked for. And that's why I continue to go ahead and spend a boatload of money up front. And like I said, lifecycle gear as it, as it comes around and provide that end user support internally.
0: All right. Did all of you hear that? (laughs) It doesn't make sense yet. Now go make it make sense. So, all right, that is going to do it for us. Thank you all so much. Uh, Before we get out of here, before I, 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 let you guys do your, your your social media and stuff like that. I want to mention one thing. Um, sad news. I, I consider it sad news. Some people may not. Um, after 66 years covering the AV industry, sound and communication has wrapped publication. Dan Friese, the former editor, uh, posted this week that this uh, latest issue was their last. Uh, this publication gave us uh, AVIT report, Infocom Today, uh, during Infocom, that was the... the, the uh, the news program that they had running throughout the place, uh, and so much more. So uh, our best wishes to Dan Farisi and his team uh, and everybody impacted by this. Um, you know, it, it's to, to say that newspapers are dead and print is dead is is kind of rote at this point, but uh, it's still kind of sad to see uh, another uh, publication fold, uh, close the doors. So uh, good luck to him. Dan will be actually at Infocom uh, if you want to say, uh, you know, give him a job, maybe. Uh, I'll get to hang out with him on Friday. Uh, he and Cindy Davis and I will be doing um, Hidden Gems, uh, basically the best of the 10x10 10 10 booths Friday morning at in, Infocom on the technology innovation stage. So good luck to him. Um, we'll get to hang out with him in, in Orlando. So thank you guys so much. Um, thanks for joining us. Heather, uh, how do people connect with you uh, or Southtown?
3: Um, Southtownav.com. It's uh, not plural. Southtown, no us, av.com. Uh, on Twitter, my meanderings are um, tech underscore chi, as in a balance between technology and life. Um, there I talk about not a ton of ABU, a lot of uh, Buffalo Bills stuff lately.
0: Yeah, and, and for good reason. Um, Nyree, uh, how do people connect with you or your beloved um, University of Georgia Bulldogs?
1: So first and foremost, THWG, and I'll let you fill in the blanks on what that means, um, but all my yellow jackets will will definitely know. Uh, but I can be reached at, uh, Nyree Hollingsworth on LinkedIn. And you can also follow me at Nyree H on Twitter. Um, that will be the best way to, to get in contact with me and, you know, shout out to my Atlanta Braves, uh, in the, in the NLCS. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. LeBlanc. Thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or NSCA?
1: Yeah.
4: Thanks for having me, Tim. So NSCA.org. Best place to uh, connect with me is probably just finding me on LinkedIn, you know, Tom LeBlanc on LinkedIn. Can I just take a quick minute, though, to say um, I also um, I also think that, you know, Sound and Communication, um, I think that's going to be a big loss for the industry. That was a good publication. I'm speaking as somebody who, as you mentioned, I was editor of a, a competing publication for years. They were a great competitor. They were a friendly competitor, respectful competitor, a great publication. David Silverman and then Dan, great editors. And I hope Dan yeah. is uh, I hope Dan stays in the industry because we can use folks like that to cover this industry.
0: Absolutely we can. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Corey, uh, how do people connect with you or QSC? All
2: right, Corey Schaefer uh, on LinkedIn and QSC.com. Corey.shafer at qsc.com
0: all right very good thank you ma'am uh for us for aviation, nation for for me don't don't follow me on the twitters um i'm with heather but on the other side of of the victory dance um i'm a bears fan so that's all i'll say about that although hockey is starting up so i've got the blues uh, going. oh
3: yeah you are not going to touch on hockey
0: <laughs> anyhow <laughs> um, go by the website if you would please TV, that's aviation.tv. we at least this part of we uh, are headed to uh, Orlando for infocom 2021. And actually that part of we is as well. I'm pointing at Mitchell cause he's coming with us. Uh, so we'll be there. Um, I am doing a, uh, a panel on audio, uh, conference room audio on Tuesday, uh, with some really great folks. Uh, and then we've got a number of parties. So if you go to aviation.tv forward slash infocom 2021 coverage, you'll get everything. Um, Aviation Nation has a, a brand new uh, Av users group uh, called Fuse. That's doing a party on Tuesday. We've got the annual Aviation Nation uh, tweet up on Wednesday from 4 to 6. Uh, we call it a walkthrough party because you come in, grab a drink, trade business cards or contact information with, with anybody and then go on to your next event uh, and a couple other things. So if you go there, check that out. Uh, and uh, we got a lot of really cool stuff going. Uh, but other stuff, uh, you'll see Heather in other programs such as Resi Week. Uh, where she hangs out with Matt Scott, who is still not allowed in the country. He's Canadian, and that's a joke. Um, but uh, you can also check out our uh, our look at social media and marketing with uh, Don Mead and, and uh, AV Social, and Steve Greenblatt, state of control, looks at control and automation. So all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.